0: My name's Adele Yango, and welcome to another episode of Legally Clueless. No, seriously, I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one. Hey you, welcome to episode 184 of Legally Clueless. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're new to the family, you are right on time. <laughs> Even though we're 184 episodes in, right on time, and of course, episodes like this audio episodes go out every single Monday, and our video series is ongoing on our YouTube channel, season three of it, and new episodes there go out every single Friday. You can head over to our YouTube channel via the link in the show notes, or just head over to YouTube and search "Legally Clueless." We're bright yellow; you can't miss us. Another thing you need to do is head over to legallycluelessafrica.com, sign up to join our community there. You can listen to all the other episodes there, watch all our video series episodes, our tour series, learn about workshops and our events there. Yeah, so that's our hub on the internet, legallycluelessafrica.com. I am really excited about this episode because the story is by a friend and it is about something I'm very passionate about. Listen to this.
1: So I had to pay almost 250,000 for the nomination fee. Yes. And then again, IBC, you need to pay the IBC fees. So security, as we had like around 50 security guys when i met one of my mentors who is a, a member of parliament he told me you need a clean 30 million kenya shillings if you don't have that money man you're screwed i sat down i told him i can't get that 30 million i looked at my circle the raise even half of that money <laughs> but i was advantaged because i'd bought some stuff in advance so in 2020 i had office already i had computers for for stuff. I'd bought some equipments so I didn't need to start from scratch. We need a sound. We need a van. But I still used close to 7 million. So the times that you leave the campaigns you go and you have a 100,000 but when you're coming back home you can't even buy a packet of milk for your child.
0: That is my friend Billion who ran in the recently concluded Kenyan elections and I just love how open and honest he was about that actual journey. I can't wait for you to hear it. It's coming up later in this episode. But speaking of stories that we absolutely love, another show you need to check out is the Guinness Black Shines Brightest Stories show on the Guinness YouTube channel. There is a link to the YouTube channel in the show notes or you can just go to Guinness Kenya. Reason I am sending you there is one, you will get to discover such amazing African creatives from music, food, fashion, decolonization, and so much more. And let me tell you, it's not the usual faces or stories that you know. It's people who you may have heard of a little, but don't fully know their story, or people you just don't know. So you're going to be discovering them via their stories on this show. From Sweetie Kano, who is so amazing when it comes to really helping Africans decolonize their minds. And she is also a very creative fashion designer. And there's Brian Musafiri, who is super creative. I don't feel like locking him down to fashion because he's just, he just oozes art and creativity, that guy. And then food, which has become my favorite thing because I'm trying to put on weight. <laughs> You get to find out stories of like two young African men who started a thriving catering business by flukes. Like... (laughs) It wasn't the plan. There's also Uncle Nenes, who make probably the best buggers in Kenya right now. And how they started their couple, husband and wife, who run it. Listen, it's just a really great show. And it's something I think you should check out. Especially since here on Legally Clueless, we absolutely love African stories. So go to Guinness Kenya on YouTube. There's a link to it in the show notes. Okay, let's jump into the song of the week. And this week, so I randomly just found i can't even remember how i found these particular artists actually i don't know how, I, how did i find them anyway their name is the cavemen mm, i found them on tiktok that's something that tiktok has become really good for is just like music discoveries so they're called the cavemen they do i want to say like afro folk music like their music will remind you of like Fela kuti's music you know those classic african tunes. To be quite frank, the clip of the song that I heard on TikTok got me and then the name. (laughs) So it's like, this is so interesting. So I went and listened to an album they have. It's called Love and High Life and one of the songs that stood out for me is called Biri. I have no idea what it means but what was so weird is it sounded so much like my mother tongue Luo. It's (laughs) it's so interesting when you hear other African languages and you're just like, wait, that sounds like mine yet you're from the other corner of the continent, isn't it? So the name of the song is Biri. It's by the cavemen. I really like this song. There's something in it. So I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But if you're into more classic African sounds and you want to hear all the instruments like I do, I really enjoy such music. I think you'll like this one. I think you'll like this one. Okay, I'm not even going to talk for too long because I really want to get into the story, 100 African stories, because politics is a huge part of who we are, and how things affect us. You know, these conversations constantly find me. One, either I'm involved in conversations where it's like, okay, how do we get more young Africans involved in politics? Be it as aspirants or just voting. Secondly, it's like, if I do anything that moves someone, they're like, ah, oh, this is great. You need to run for office. And I'm just like, ah, oh, it's n- it's really not that black or white. Politics is so expensive to get into that it locks out So many young Africans. And what I love about the story you're about to hear is that billion discloses everything. Like, amounts. And we're talking millions. Another thing that came up in his story, which I was like, yeah, this, like, kind of makes a lot of young people who are brilliant leaders just not want to get involved, is... The older unethical aspirants and the threats and the bribery and the rigging, that really breaks a lot of young aspirant spirits. So they'll run once and then they're like, well, you know what? <laughs> it is not that serious. I'm not doing the shit again. You know what I mean? And I just... Feel like when you listen to his story, you start to really understand the numerous barriers to entry that keep a lot of brilliant young leaders out. So I hope you enjoy this particular story. I'm I'm super excited to share it with you. A hundred African stories on legally clueless. Stories from Africa.
1: My name is Lillian Okotogio. Kenya. I first ran for an election in 2014. I think for me the drive was just to make sure that there's somebody from the community is running for that position when the elections were for, for our constituency was, was nullified. Running for Madhari, member of parliament. Yeah, so there is a national, uh, for national parliament, that was the position that I was running for. Madare. So Madare is within Nairobi. When the elections were nullified, I was in Nakuru with my cousin. And then, when they planned that the the electoral body is going to conduct a new elections, I decided to travel back. And when I travelled back, my my feeling. all all along was to have somebody from Madare run for the office. And I remember the Madare Professional Association sitting together. We were around six of us and we agreed that one of us is going to represent us during these elections. And even when I was leading uh, Nakuru coming to to Nairobi, I was the least qualified of all those people and I knew I was just going to support someone. But it happened after the first elections, all of us were given a task to make sure that we have a certificate to show the level of seriousness on all the candidates. After the second meeting which happened at the IBC when the IBC, uh, the electoral body called all the candidates who was interested in running to come. Uh, of all of us, I think we were two of us that showed up that day. Uh, I had talked to one of my friends who had a political party, that is Ronia Sumba, to please help me with the certificate to show that I am serious. However, I knew that I was not going to go to the end because I was the least qualified. I didn't have money at all. I didn't have resources. I was, I was just there because I, I believed that somebody from the community should be in that position. Yeah, so the second time that we were called for another meeting, I was the only one that was there. I told God, because I believe in God, that you know what, I, I think there's a reason why you brought me here. I'm going to do what I can to represent my people. And and for me, it was just to motivate others that the next election, they run for positions. So I went to the end. Uh, a few of my friends came. Uh, Ronnie also hired a, a car for me. I didn't know how to drive. <laughs> So I had to look for my cousin to to be my driver. So it was expensive to have my cousin to be my driver because we were living in two opposite sides of the city. So he would come pick me... Drop me home, leave the car again, go, take motor to go. So, so, so it wasn't working. So I just, I know it is bad, but I just, you know, I said, I'm going to drive myself. I used to see how my cousin is doing it. So I started driving myself without a, without a license. It's because I, I, I love to be handsome. I love to see things moving. And then uh, a couple of my friends came together, did a few t-shirts for me, did uh, posters for me. In my mind, I was ready to do just 10 t-shirts to put them on on strategic places just to let people know that i am running but thank god uh, i had uh, at least a thousand posters uh, from a, from a friend and one of the things that i remember is putting posters myself there's a night that i was wearing a hoodie and uh i was post- putting posters in one of the wards so the boys at night you know the guys who put posters are just random guys from the community so while putting the posters one of the boys came and said <sighs> we need to see this billion, this billion, is, we've not been able to see him around, why is he not campaigning? I wasn't doing that because I didn't have the resources, so <laughs> I just laughed, but I continued putting my posters. Uh, at the end of it, I was not able to go to the end because uh, towards the end, I needed almost half a million for for my agents, for the planning, for the elections, and the people who were helping me, you know, they were just helping me mm. to To have my name out there, so when they realized that my chances of winning were not there, then they, 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 you know, they just let me go. So I supported one of the candidates towards the end, but but for me, I have met the last election. There was an MCA that 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 won. That she said, you know, my motivation was billion. If billion was able to do it without resources, and I have small resources in a circle. That is why I ran for the position. And I am happy that in most of the positions now in Madaré, especially at the ward level, uh, the county assembly representatives are mainly people from the community. Mm-hmm. It used to be outsiders. And it's just because of the, the confidence. Yeah, and taking the first bullet for the community. You know, my life was never the same again. I used to be called honorable. <laughs> so I used to... It taught me to act in a ho- on a hon- in a honorable way, yeah. so people started looking at me as a leader. Then I started looking for opportunities where I could develop more, build myself more as a leader. I've been able to go to a series of, of, of leadership programs, the Mandela Washington Fellowship in the US. Uh, I went for Austrian leadership program also in the in, in in Austria. I feel an accomplished leader, ready to take the community to the next level. I, I think for me it was it was a lesson uh, for me. I I, I believe that you know my mission had not been not yet been accomplished. So I knew working through, I knew I had a mission and and I had promised the community that, you know, we are going to make our community better. I was not able to run in 2017 because I felt I was not psychologically prepared. Yeah, there's, there's a, An emotional attachment to running for an office. The first time that I ran for the office, I I used not even to eat. You don't even have time to eat. There are a lot of phone calls. There's a lot of pull and push all over the place. So in 2017, I wasn't psychologically prepared, but I said, I'm gonna be in a campaign team to learn how this is done. So I joined a political party to just see how the political party system works so that if I'm attracted to what I see, then I'll apply those the next time that I am running. And and, and that played a big role when I was running this this, this, this year. I, I didn't uh, know that the, the grassroots support is, is big. Sometimes in the political parties, they have structures and the structures helps win elections. Uh one thing that I didn't like within the political party space is, is how they treat young people. Yeah. So when you get to the political party, even after running for an office they just feel I should be the person putting up the posters for other other candidates. I should be the errands boy Whereas I came to learn to know, you know how these things are done. Some of the things that I, that I also learned within the space was the, the the importance of of resources. So it helped me now to plan myself better when I was now running. Uh, I also learned the importance of connections, uh, having the right connections, and also you know getting a mentor, somebody who you know can can make a phone call on your behalf and, 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 and then the doors opens. So so those are some of the things that I learned within that within that space. And I resigned because I was the national youth leader for the party. So when I resigned and and said now my priority is Madare, I'm gonna give my everything to Madare we had a series of of, of, <laughs> of meetings with the with the leaders who believed that I was making a right, a wrong choice and who believed that, you know, the only way that young people can succeed is especially in politics, is by being nominated or by being put in a place, in a position. They didn't believe that, you know, you can just come from nowhere and run for a position competitively. I prayed and I worked hard. I, I made connections. I, I I pushed every door. I, I became a beggar. I became a bother. I bothered people. But I knew that I wanted them to see the vision that I have for my people. I told my best friend okay. and by then... You know, his organization was supporting my organization. And the one thing that he told me, asked me, how much does an MP get every year as a budget for development in their constituency? I told him it's a 100 million every year. So he said, okay, uh, I'm going to connect you with an organization that is going to give you a hundred million every year so that you can stay out of politics. <laughs> I was somehow convinced because for me, it was just about supporting my community and, and looking at the level of poverty, the level of you know disconnection that our people have with the government and the things that are happening. I almost fell for that. Then I had a second opinion. I, I went to my mentor and he said, you know what, we know that is possible, but In life, there are things that if they pass, you'll regret. This is your chance. And looking at the opinion in the community, you stand a chance of winning the elections. And and money comes and goes. And sometimes these big organizations, they look for you because you're at your peak. The moment you start coming down, they'll jump into somebody else who is younger than you, who have more ideas. So just give it a shot. Yeah, so... (laughs) I went back to my friend and told him, you know what, I think I am running. He wasn't convinced. I think he was convinced almost at the tail end of the campaign, but he was supportive, but he wasn't convinced. So he would support me, but he would just like... You just do your thing. <laughs> yeah, so and I also shared that with, with my wife, that I was going to run. This started early. By 2019, I knew that I was going to run in 2022. So I started building my network in Nairobi, and abroad. I started saving, I started buying, you know, assets that could be useful, on the elections or during the campaigns. But people could not see. But I for me I knew if I have a good sound, I know I am sorted. I would not need to hire sound. If I have a van, I know I am sorted. I'll not need to buy to buy or hire a van for, for the campaigns. So through that I was able to connect to a few people. Outside the country, outside the community, I would I would tell them that I am actually planning to run and I would need to I would I would really love to have their support. So first of all uh you need a a good political party because our elections are more aligned to the political parties. I I came second, I had 17,000 votes. If I'd run as an independent at that particular time, I would have not gotten even 5,000. So first you need a good political party. That you you know you will connect with the ideologies. Then you need to have a party. You know have to pay the nomination fees at the party. So I had to pay almost two hundred and fifty thousand for the nomination fee. Yes, uh. <laughs> I had half of that money. My friend, I pushed my friend to pay half of that money because this is a community thing with. <laughs> can't die alone. <laughs> so so that is one. And then again, IBC, you need to pay the IBC fees, also some good money. You need to have posters in terms of publications. You need to have posters. You need to have agents that is at the tail end. Uh, you need to have uh, mobilizers at the tail end, the people that you are working with. You need to organize meetings, uh, community meetings. You need to have community engagements, the youth groups. You need to go to churches. You need to have your security. So security, as we had like around 50 security guys. So I had a team of security, but most of them believed on the mission. And they, they were telling us, you know, some are even doctors. I had a doctor friend who said, I am joining your security because I studied medicine and I don't have a job. I have been here. And I believe that if you win as a young person, I'll be able to have an opportunity to be a doctor. I had a teacher also in my in my team. So in the team, we had different circles. So there was an inner circle of security. So if I need to do something today, I'd call my my work assistant and he knows the people to call, first layer of security. If we have a bigger thing that is happening, there's another layer of security. We have a rally that we are going to, we have a bigger now circle of security. But we also used to rotate them so that just to make them not feel that... You, know, you only need us when you need to go for, for the big rallies. But I had two trusted uh, security guys. Uh, I also had to had logistics person. So most of my campaigns, because in the slums or in in a settlement like Madare, there are organised crimes around a uh, certain candidates. So especially if uh, Madare was perceived as an ODM zone, so coming with with the UDA, I looked look like you know I was not that was not my territory. So I had to work smart. So I would go to some meetings with a border on a border, the stake a border. Go meet people and disappear. They'll wait for me to come with the car, but they only know when I am done. There are times that I would divide people into a 100, only meet, meet only 100 people and make it a secret. So people only realize learn that i was around after i have left so and then i had the core team my 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 planning team so they would advise they would guide uh, they would plan some of the activities but i i i had all the time in the world to be part of everything so i would make sure that you know every planning that is done i am part of it so that i know And I can also ask questions, the loopholes. Yeah, so you need a lot. When I I met one of my mentors, who is a a member of parliament, he told me you need a clean 30 million Kenya shillings. If you don't have that money, man, you're screwed. I sat down, I told him I can't get that 30 million. I looked at my circle, the country's even half of that money. (laughs) But I was advantaged because... I'd bought some stuff in advance. So in 2020, I had office already, I had computers for, for staff. I had given some young people some jobs, so they they felt like they were giving back. It was a way they were giving back to support my campaigns. i had bought some equipments, so I didn't need to start from scratch. We need sound, we need a van, or yeah, so, so that helped. Uh, but I still used some quite not bad money, close to 7 million. And now I, I made sure that I had an inner, a smaller and a bigger team for fundraising. So if I needed an activity, I would just tell them that, you know, this weekend I need 100,000. Yeah, so they will send 5, 10, 15, 20, then you get to 100,000. But I also had one a go-to person. So if I need quick money, I had one friend that I would just say, I need 100,000 now. And you mm. don't ask me what. Are you going to do it? And then I had a bigger team that people would contribute whatever they have. I had a friend in in London who, you know, made for us the posters. I just shared the design and they worked on the posters. Uh, I have a friend who branded my campaign one. So he said, my contribution to your campaign is to brand what you done." So yes, yeah, so we had a different contributions towards our campaigns. The day you say you are running for an office, you are equal to anybody and everybody that is running for an office. <sighs> Yeah, so even the people who were okay when I buy, I just buy for them lunch were not okay when I was running when I just buy for them lunch. They just felt like yo, how how, how, how can you just buy me lunch? Guys are out there making sure, you know, it's it's raining on us. It's it's it's, it's that season. So yeah, so there's that. There's a lot of responsibilities too. Uh, any child that is going to school now, they don't care. Any funeral, now they don't care. They bring it to your table. I, I think i have i had the most whatsapp groups i would be added to all the whatsapp groups i would go home find myself in 10 or 15 WhatsApp subgroups every single day so the expectations but also it comes with the territory you know my area you know some of the things that we need from the leaders so basic yeah so when they see you there they see you as a hope in some cases as genuine 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 cases so i would go visit homes i would support wherever i i could but i would also collect you know push my circle to to support but it it, it gives you a lot of pressure i reduce the number of times i used to go to the office the center because you don't want to sit there and you can't solve somebody's problem and right now they have they have a a place where they can take their problems. So they will come anytime. Anytime they see your car around, <laughs> they stream in. There's a time I even started suspecting that, you know, they are uh, next to my office, there are people who have uh yeah. They sell the shops, small shops. So I would come even with the border. But with the moment I settle in the office, there are like 20 people coming in. So I suspected there's a collaboration with this. <laughs> Like he's around yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, there's there's a lot of expectations and it's also how, you know, our politics has been have been meant to look like. Leaders are meant to solve our immediate problems. Mm-hmm. Politics has always been for, you know, when you're retiring, when you have your good money, when you, you want something to do after retirement. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of moments that I was scared for of my life. At the beginning because most of the, these young people I grew up with, most of them, I know them, I know their families. But when politics gets to politics, they don't care. They serve their master's interest. I remember there's a time that I was, we were going to a church. We were going for a rambe at a church, a fundraiser at a church. And uh, my opponent, the, the sitting member of parliament, got there before me. And then, you know, these youths were used to block me not to come in. So we had to force our way to get in, it almost ended ugly because because everybody in the church, you know, I can laugh about it now. Everybody, it was at Legio, Legio Maria Church. Everybody at the church ran and left us. <laughs> left us alone. And you know the Legio Maria, guys, it's my church. I love it. That is where I take my, all my problems. So they have bows that are shaped like weapons. <laughs> So they later came back and started pushing us with them, with them with them bows. But it was it was bad. I, because I believe, you know, one, we were going to help the church. All of us, we'd been invited to that fundraiser. So I don't see the need why you should block other people from accessing places where you are. I think politics should be fun. We go there and we talk and we have fun and we leave and then people decide whom they want to vote for. There's a time that my, I think both cars had their windscreen stoned. So so my car was was stoned. Our campaign car also was stoned. I just replaced the, the windscreen for the campaign car yesterday because now it's done. We were Using it with that crack here. <laughs> I only changed the one for my, my, my car. So I experienced that. Uh, There's a day we went to campaign in an area. We'd organized everything. And when we got there, some of the youths became so unruly. One of my security guys falling and almost. Uh, getting a bad injury uh, there's a time that i went to meet women at night so after meeting the women so you know it's a secret meeting the women are happy with whatever that i have offered them for tea then when we get out i meet youth the Vijana. i give them almost similar thing that i gave to the women that were inside and then they're saying what what do you mean you're giving us this so i i punched someone yeah i i punched someone it it became a little ugly yeah so there are a couple of instances that there are times that i was advised not to attend a church service it was gonna turn ugly there are times that we had to change even our routes when when we're campaigning uh, there are times that we had to negotiate in advance before <laughs> doing our activities so that we are, we are all safe because, yeah, it, it, it has all sorts of people. Yeah, so I sometimes I look back now and, and, and just laugh and say, wow, what an experience. The good thing is I tried, I made sure that my family was you know, was so away from my politics. So even now, even when we went to vote, only a few people could recognize that that was my wife. I can go with any woman to Madare, and they'll still believe that is my wife. I tried to disconnect my family with with the politics because I know people get personal also and I didn't want to put my wife my family into that but however I think emotionally there are times that you know the things that I encountered out I would bring them home I would come home and you know I don't want to eat I am so <laughs> moody I I am so drained I I am so broke <laughs> so, <laughs> so there are times that you know when you leave the campaigns you go and you have a hundred thousand but when you're coming back home you can't even buy a packet of milk for your child mm. there was no direct violence towards my family uh, uh, because I I try to protect mm. the family and just keep them away from 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 that. Three days to election. First of all, you have the last day to campaign that you make sure everything is done, that you've covered everything, and then now you start planning for your agents. You have to train your agents. Even some of us where we went wrong were. The agents department, the the people that you should trust. But you know you can't trust 189 people. I at some point I wanted to bring my family, to bring my cousins from the village to come <laughs> to come and help me. <laughs> you you know play that last part because there are people who are them they will not campaign. My my opponent didn't have campaign at all he waited for the last minute and played all the dirty stuff and and he won and that is what matters it doesn't the process <laughs> doesn't matter it's the end game so so we train the agents two days too we train the super agents the people are taking care we have to plan the security our security team so that has to happen the, the last days because they're also the most crucial people in your campaign team uh, in case their briberies somewhere you tell they know how to respond we talk to a lawyer too just in case somebody is 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 arrested on that day we have to Put some money aside so that I could be bailed i had to even go have a conversation with the ocs let them know this is what is happening this is my plan we have now uh, the people that are called uh, mobilizers so that you make sure that you know the turnout is is on your favor and then you plan the food because these people logistics the peace people have to eat these people have to be at the station at this particular time and i remember i think two days to election or a day to election i had to sign like. 300 papers. So the oath of secrecy, and then there's also uh, what we call a deployment letter. So they have to be signed and then taken to a lawyer to sign them to be certified. So you have to have certified copies. Then wow. we have to organize how all the 199, 198 people We'll receive their copies that day in the morning. That day in the morning, so you're just praying that all your agents turn up for the for the for the event. Then we have the elections, so agents have to be at the polling centers by five, by six. All our agents were still out; they were still locked out. Yeah, so meaning you don't know what was what is happening inside. Part of the training that we give our agents is to make sure that the ballot boxes doesn't have anything when they're starting to vote. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you can't walk in after six and say, you know, we were told that those ballot boxes should not have anything. The voting process will just continue. Then now you have your security, you have all that going on. And now we plan. I I went to vote with my, my wife and my grandmother. So by then I thought everything was okay. Kumbe, the games had been played before. Our team had set up because we knew we were winning. I remember going to places where, you know, friends would ask me, so what plan do you have if you don't win? I said, I don't have any other plan yeah. because I... I am winning. So we had uh, hired uh, an Airbnb to be our telling center, but also a refresh where people could refresh, could freshen up just close by. So when I left home, uh, I went back, dropped to my family home and then I came back just to, to be around, to know what is happening. Just I can respond to anything that happens. Yes, I stayed for two days with the same clothes uh, because one at the telling center the first night they start counting the votes so we had to wait start receiving the numbers the next day morning the numbers are not working for us for us we have to now follow work with the lawyer what 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 are we doing next yeah so I stayed for two days. I think I was so drained. I remember coming back home and I didn't know my grandmother knew what was going on. I think there are people in the village who are informing her yeah. <laughs> what is happening. So when she saw me home, I came, took a good shower. <laughs> and while I sat down, she just came straight and said, "Yo, yeah, I know what has happened. Please, you're still young. You still have many years to do this. So take it as a learning process. Maybe it would have ended ugly, but I thank God you are here. And, and yeah, just move on. It was hard for me. So one, uh, there were extra ballot papers that had been stuffed. Two, there were uh, around 20 ballot boxes that had been interfered with. So broken into. And the worst part is, you know, when I went to the tallying center myself, I found the lead of the a member of parliament which should be green is not green so somebody tampered with the lead they exchanged they even f- they they even forgot to return the right lead that was it just killed me so yeah so you go to the telling center you look at the results if you have any questions if you have any but you know at that time it's so tensed when i went to the telling center first police at the gate refused that i my access that i could not access the telling, the telling center so because i was so mad and i was ready to die for this it's right now that i when i look at uh, how bad i was beaten i was like I was it even worth that <laughs> yeah so i had to uh, get out of the car push the gate my supporters also followed and we broke the gate got in got a few cans here and there <laughs> But at least now, they were able to allow me in. And you get in, you get that the jobs that are supposed to be done by the IBC officials are done by your, your opponent supporters. They're the ones who are now having their IBC badges and transporting the ballot boxes and helping the IBC and sitting and consulting. And like, man, what's not happening? But I, at least a weekend before the elections i knew something fishy was going to happen i got an intel from from one of the sitting mcs that you know what we love you but you know the system doesn't want you now so if you win well then good if you don't just know that things happened so i was kind of psychologically prepared but i still had faith that you know, these are institution. This is an independent institution that should take care of all of our all our interests mm-hmm. and all my concerns. I would call the, the the officials, and they would like, oh, don't worry, everything is okay. Yeah. So we stopped the the telling. Uh, the media came. You know, the the returning officer agreed that you know some of the ballot boxes had been interfered with. But now, because it was an in house thing, they had to come up with a way of you know making it look mm-hmm. that you know, it isn't that serious yeah so so that is the whole process so a lot of young people if you are not prepared early enough it kills you and and i think one of the things that i am planning to do is to just try and get young people that ran for an office and almost won because i know exactly what they went through you feel you are the dead end and and i've been forgiving myself for this i think i ask god so many questions i would just drive alone and cry and ask god where did I go wrong? Why did it have to happen to me? I think this was my turn. This was my, my time. Why? Why? I? You know, when you're joining politics, you have a 20 years plan. So <laughs> if they interfere with the five years, it interferes with the whole 20 year plan. So at that time, I was bitter. I was mad. I I couldn't sleep. Well, I didn't want to see a call from my people. I I just I was I was mad at everyone. And and because I did everything. I did everything right. The only thing that I did to do right was to (laughs) make sure that I am on the right side of (laughs) of <laughs> the government. Yeah. yeah. But the lessons that we learn in life, I've been able to forgive myself for, for everything. I've been able to just pray. I went back to the ledger a couple of times. Mm-hmm. I'd planned to go to court. I'd collected the evidences. I think those helped me to heal and to just tell myself, Billion, you did your best. Mm-hmm. Billion, you won. But maybe God had other plans for you. Mm-hmm. So just look up. And, uh, and, and, and since... My core reason to run for an office was to serve the people. The people are still there they've not they didn't go with the results. Just get back to yourself uh and go back to those people and face them and 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 let them know that you know you are doing this for them and and see a connection, see what you can do and yeah, so I went back to the office. I have been able to walk through the community, say hi everybody's pushing me to go to court everybody even small children they're saying oh, biwa. <laughs> which is also a good thing that uh, they know that I I, I didn't I, I lost because somebody, you know, interfered with something. So it, 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 there's, there's a sense of people are not laughing at you, people are not mocking you. Even the, the people who are not your supporters, they know. I know they, we, we won this, but it wasn't fair. So they've, they've even never celebrated their win, yeah. I went to the village. I just took time to, because I'm also a farmer, is to go to the farm, look at my pigs and say, Ah, at least I have still have I still have something to do. Yeah. So I was able to to rest. But still when when I look at process, when I see when I read, you know, next week there'll be a swearing in, Mm -hmm. next week the politicians, blah blah blah. The next parliament, this is the planning. The first one that hit me was when they called now the first parliamentary meeting Mm -hmm. for the team. And I was like, you know God supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Why am I not there? So, it takes time. It takes time to adapt. But I I have been trying to do positive stuff. Uh, I am working on a book. Yeah, there are so many interesting things that happened behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. I just want people to know what happens mm-hmm. and also the fun side of it. There were fun side of it, yeah. too, yeah. yeah. That we'd go for meetings and you know the people that we fear most, the president now, mm-hmm. we would make fun of everything, the way he would interact with us, the way he would be hands-on on things. So I'm, 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 I'm also writing a book that maybe would in future help young people to just know you just don't get to the politics because uh, there's an op- open position or there'll be an election. This is the way you, you plan yourself, even if you don't win the way I didn't win, but it helps guide you. I think one is, uh, you know, create a model for, for mentorship. Mentoring and supporting young people who wants to jo- who genuinely wants to join politics, mm. because we also have people who they're doing it because you know even if I don't win, I will be appointed somewhere. Mm. It's just to <laughs> yeah it's yeah so so for me I think one is have an academy where young people can you know can can go through a certain kind of training because there's a lot in that we don't see that we don't imagine is there and, and and it kills you and if you are weak as a person after going through that experience you say to hell with with, with politics but this country needs us because we we are, at some point we're going to inherit we're going to inherit this country from the Raila's and from the Ruto's So we have to be prepared. Uh, If we don't do so, then the generation that are coming after us, will there will be a gap. So that is one. Two is resources. I think we've made our politics so expensive, way so expensive, that if you want to join and somebody tells you what to expect, (laughs) you just say, no, thank you. Let me go back to farming. (laughs) And even within the party politics, you know, there are people who've been in the party. They don't do nothing for the people. But because they they have been contributing to the to the development of that party, they have some sense of authority positions so in our case the the sitting member of parliament was given a direct termination, so meaning a lot of young people who were eyeing for that position were locked out. So let's just have a, a, a leveled playground. But I I love that you know despite all those challenges, there are so many young bold young people that ran for an office and said "Mia, mutani whether I have or don't have, you guys make a, de- make a decision." I think moving on. If I was at a position that I could hire or support young people that ran for an office, it would be good because they're going through a lot right now, and and through that motivates them to plan to run again
0: next time. Catch more African stories in the next episode of Legally Clueless. I hope you enjoyed the story by Billion and enjoyed it in the sense that, man, the honesty. I really do appreciate Billion for that. I have known Billion for years. Back when he was a rapper and I was on my first radio show. And then we grew into me helping him with his... Foundation where he uh, he does so much. He uses music and the arts to get a lot of young people opportunities and get them away from gangs, etc. He also has a really interesting program called Future Uchi where he gives free uniform to students. And, and what's so interesting is like the Ficha Uchi program. That's the one I used to help him with. We would go to a school with tailors and like the whole day these activities for the kids and we're measuring the kids and we give them these new brilliant uniforms. And their incentive to keep it well is that when they outgrow them, Fuji Uchi buys the uniforms back from them and, you know, passes it along to other needy students. And it's, you can literally see how the kids' self esteem just rises from something like uniform, you know? And so, yeah, I've known him for years. Now, do you hear how this politics thing's? is just tricks 7 million shillings is what he used and his mentor telling him that he would need 30 million I was just like but where do you, where do you access this which young person has access to this type of money on the whim to be able to just pick up and start running for public office Even like their social circles. 30 million is not small money. And so you find that you have to kind of be aligned with older people who have the funds. That already compromises what you stand for. Because nobody's going to give you this money for free. There's something they want in return. Even the party politics. Like it's so... 250k. As in... Guys, this is... This is a bit ridiculous, isn't it? And the thing is, this is not a problem that is unique to Kenya. It's kind of like across the board. I actually, from his story, have been very inspired to kind of research, especially African countries, to see some of the electoral processes, especially when it comes to finances. That's something I'm like, "Mm," I want to read up on it. And literally that was sparked by Billion's story. And then, you know, the last thing I want to say about it is that how the system is, the sad bit is it's intentionally set that way. And so it's like, An abusive relationship because the same people will tell you, oh no, we need more young people to run, na-na-na-na. And the same people telling you that are the same ones upholding structures that lock out said young people. It's, It's ridiculous. Anyway, if you want to share your story on this podcast, all you have to do is click the link in the bio. There's a Google form. Fill it out. And I will get back to you. It doesn't matter where in the world you are. You're African. We want to hear your story. We can record in person or virtually. Also, this podcast plays on Trace Radio in Kenya, Trace FM. So if you go to Trace radio.co.ke there's a link of all the frequencies and you can catch us there every monday and wednesday at 1 p.m and 11 p.m and fridays at 1 p.m tell all your friends who enjoy listening the nice old school way and check out our video series man it's pretty dope season three we are celebrating african creatives so we have featured sabawali who is an amazing kenyan Artist, visual artist. Yeah, I actually like that this season we had a lot more visual artists because there was Seba we, we recorded, and then we also have Victor who's a muralist here in Kenya. We got two TikTokers who are hilarious. Oh my goodness, Michael and Mimo. You had her story a few episodes ago. She's In the video series, we have Wanjiku, who talks about how to merge creativity and business, which is a huge pain point for many of us creators of things. And then there's Yvonne, who's a fashion designer here in Kenya, and she talks about overcoming that struggle of like thugs stealing literally everything from her business anyway the stories are powerful so if you head over to our youtube channel that's legally clueless there's a link to it in the show notes you can enjoy our video series i need to end this episode right now but i am sending you tons of grace and tons of peace as usual